This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. We're quite thin on the ground today, aren't we? It's funny, isn't it, how that works sometimes? And, uh, but, um, select crew today. So, this morning, in our, as Lisa alluded to, in our nine o'clock service, and for anybody who's a visitor, um, we meet on, I'm echoing, but I'm just going to keep talking, and I know Matthew will adjust it. Um, we have uh, three services, nine o'clock in the east, ten o'clock here, that's us, and then eleven o'clock back in the east. And at the nine o'clock service this morning, um, we had... Uh, three people uh, getting baptised and uh, three men as it happens um, and uh, we now have permission to uh, do baptisms here in this hall as and when uh, we need to as well. Isn't that fantastic? And we're just thrilled about that. such an answer to prayer. So we're in the process of uh, obtaining a, a portable baptistry um, which we'll be able to use, and we've talked through with the management, and they're very happy uh, about us doing that in this hall, in services. So um, I, I, Lisa confessed to sneaking over to the east, uh, and uh, uh, so um, just to see the guys baptised at nine o'clock. And, uh, but I'm really looking forward to our, oh, wouldn't it be great, our first and then second and third time when we have baptisms uh, here in the West as well. And we're planning more baptismal services than we've ever done before for 2020. So on average, every couple of months or so, we're putting them in our diary. Um, next one being in February, so it's not that long uh, ahead, near the beginning of February. And we're really doing this as an act of faith. We believe that God was leading us uh, just to do this. When we actually put this date in, we only knew one uh, person who has said, I, I want to be baptized, and we've ended up with three. Um, and uh, two of whom have become Christians really very recently, which is fantastic. Um, we haven't got a clue who's going to get baptized in February right now. But just as an act of faith, we're setting aside Sundays, and whichever service those people happen to be in, um, then we will baptize them in that service. If they are regular attenders at the nine, Uh, or the 11 in the east, then that's when the baptisms will take place. If it's in the west at the 10 o'clock, then we will have provision, praise God, to baptize people here. So that's exciting, isn't it? And uh, so do be praying for that. And um, since um, we started in the west in January, um, we've not taught on what the Bible says about baptism. And so I thought it was a really good opportunity for us today in, with the background of what's going on uh, in uh, the east of the church uh, to actually look at this. And the way I'm going to do this is this. I'm going to look at, um, having been a pastor for many, many years now, yes, he's getting old, uh, then uh, we're going to look at 10 frequently asked questions about believers' baptism. These are questions that, you know, in real life, I've often uh, had conversations about, as people have asked. And although seeking to help those who are not yet baptised, 
Um, it's also with the objective of equipping all of us to be able to help others. This is something where all of us have been taught, as we're going to see from one of the verses we're going to look at in Matthew 28, that you go, disciples go, and make disciples, uh, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And so, as well as just being on the receiving end, uh, hopefully benefit if you've not yet uh, been baptized, uh, then in addition to that, uh, I'm trusting that it'll help all of us just to sharpen up just that little bit more on knowing how to help others. And then finally, it's also a reminder. Uh, Every time Catherine and I get invited to a wedding, I'm always reminded of when we got married. And uh, when the couple are making their vows, it's so, you know, you're just reminded again of what it was like. And every time people get baptized, I'm reminded of when I got baptized. And you know what? I know an awful lot more about what happened when I got baptized now than I did when I got baptized. And in reality, that's how it should be. But, um, and so as we look at these FAQs, these frequently asked questions, I hope that they'll be both equipping, a challenge, and encouraging to all of us. Now here's the first one that I've been asked on a number of occasions, um, and that's this Uh, question. So question one, I've got to whistle through them, Um, and that's this. I'm not yet a Christian. Can I become a Christian by being baptized? And the very short answer is no. Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Um, Well, how does that happen then? Well, well, let me just uh, fill you in a little bit on uh, the first story when the, the very earth Uh, birth of the early church, um, just on the the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast in Jerusalem, and uh, we have this time when the Holy Spirit is being poured upon the church. Now, if you're totally unfamiliar with this story, can I commend to you Acts chapter 2? It's amazing. But if you are familiar, you'll know the story of how the Holy Spirit was poured upon 120 disciples of Jesus in an upper room of a building in Jerusalem. And they were so filled with the Holy Spirit, they started to uh, praise God and speak of his wonders in languages they'd never learned. They were filled with God's Spirit. They were filled with joy. And they went out into the streets quite courageously and boldly. And there was quite a commotion. And people gathered, in fact, thousands gathered to see what was going on. And as they did that, Peter bravely stood in front of a huge crowd and started to preach. And his cue was some people said, these guys are just drunk. And he said, well, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. People don't get drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. What you're seeing is what Joel the prophet prophesied about when he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit and all flesh. And then going through, quoting um, a a whole prophecy from Joel, he ends up uh, with the last part of that saying, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he continues to preach to them powerfully uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, about Jesus being Lord, about his resurrection, his death and his resurrection. And so just a few selected verses to help us to see. He said, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs uh, through him 
as you well know. Now, all we've got to do is read any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to see all those things that were going on that the hearers were very familiar with, of, and some of whom would have witnessed firsthand. But God, Peter carried on, knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And then Peter carries on and he talks from the Psalms uh, and uh, proves from the Psalms uh, how David was speaking of Christ and how he was speaking of Jesus Christ um, as being Lord. And in... um, Verse, uh, I'm just reading, it's not on the screen at this moment, but uh, verse 31, he just says this, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Hallelujah. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And then he carried on, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now at this point we read that the people who heard this powerful message, many of them were cut to the heart. They were convicted of their sin and they came to realize something had to be done about this. And so they said to Peter, well, brothers, what should we do? And Peter then says this, and this will go on the screen. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we read that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church on that day about 3,000 in all. When were they baptized? Well, they were baptized literally probably uh, minutes or a few hours. I mean, 3,000, it would have taken quite a lot of people uh, and quite a number of cues uh, to baptize all of those. But first of all, it was on the basis of having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, on the basis of having turned from their sin and turned in faith to God because they came to believe Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sin, and he rose again from the dead. And as simple as that, that's the good news. If you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, that means Lord, Savior, he died and rose again, then you shall be saved. And those that believed were baptized very soon afterwards, But the baptism didn't make them Christians. It was actually their turning to Christ just before. However, baptism was an essential part of uh, their beginnings as followers of Christ. Now, you might think, um, if anybody knows anything about the geography of Jerusalem, I've often wondered, how on earth did they find enough water to baptize them? Uh, Because Jerusalem is one of the only cities in the world without a river apart from just a spring called the Gihon Spring, which isn't huge. 
Um, and it hasn't got a lot of lakes and things like that uh, in the old part of Jerusalem where it was. And Catherine and I had the privilege a year ago of visiting, doing a tour around Israel. And um, one of the things that we discovered and found, uh, being led by a guide around the, the temple area and the old part of Jerusalem, is that all the way around, and there should be a photograph actually, um, all the way around, it's a bit dark, but can you see that one? Can we all see it? Um, all the way around uh, the temple area of Jerusalem were what they called, and still call today, the Jewish people and the Jewish faith, mikvahs, which are ceremonial cleansing baths. And there are loads of them that archaeologists have discovered all the way around. And even today, in the Jewish faith, when people feel that they need to cleanse themselves uh, spiritually, uh, then they would use baths, which are much more modern than these ones, uh, but baths that they would dip themselves in completely, completely immerse themselves in, and uh, just for, for cleansing, for ceremonial cleansing. And what we discovered is that there are scores and scores and scores of these around the Temple Mound that have been unearthed by archaeologists. And uh, one assumes that there would have therefore been plenty of water and it would have been a very common thing to have seen people ceremonial cleansing themselves and they were all Jewish believers at this point and they would have had opportunity and access to use these uh, to be baptised. But isn't that amazing? 3,000 people, it's just a little bit of uh, history and archaeology coming into that. Now the Greek word for baptism means to dip, to immerse, to submerge. Whenever the word baptism was used, believe and be baptised, people knew what it meant. It meant being submerged, being immersed under the water. So we're going to discover a little bit of what all that is about as we look at some more uh, of the questions. But baptism has been the means of initiation into the Christian faith ever since the last 2,000 years. So the second question which is often asked is, well, I've become a Christian, but I don't think I'm good enough yet. hear that quite a bit. So I, I think I need to wait before I get baptised. Should I wait? Well, the answer is no. You don't need to wait. And uh, let's just look at that verse I just alluded to from Matthew 28, 19 to 20, uh, where Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he gave them a commission saying, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, it's disciples who get baptized at the earliest opportunity. And then, as disciples of Jesus, they learn as a lifetime learning to do the will of God and to obey what he has commanded, what he's revealed uh, in his word. And it's by grace that we're saved, not by learning a lot. He didn't say, well, get them to learn a lot, and if they prove themselves after a month or two or after a year or two, then they'll qualify to get baptized. No, make disciples, baptize them, then teach them how to live the life. And it's in that order. And so... Uh, we need to quite clearly say, so no, you don't have to wait until uh, everything changes and you think yourself worthy because it's by grace that you're saved, 
not by works. It because, it's because of what Jesus has done for you that you get baptized and your trust in him and belief in that. Not your proving worthy uh, in order to get baptized. And so it's made so clear in Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 uh, where Paul teaches, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. So it's the basis on this gift from God that you can be baptized, not on the basis of being good enough. Right, so what about the third frequently asked question that uh, quite commonly comes? And it's this one. I've been a Christian for quite a while now, So why do I need to get baptized? What difference will it make? And sometimes there's even a little bit of an embarrassment factor. You know, someone's been a Christian maybe a few years, but they haven't got baptized and think, oh dear, you know, do I even admit I haven't got baptized? Or uh, so, you know, what difference will it make? Uh, I'm enjoying my Christian life and everything else. Well, let me tell you, the answer is the difference that it makes is that you will have made a step of obedience to Jesus And when Peter said, on the day of Pentecost, in his preaching, summing up, he said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It wasn't, well, some of you, or a selective group of you, or, well, as an optional extra. It was each of you, everyone. The, the command is, repent of your sin, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you read and believe the Bible, you cannot avoid the fact that you need to be baptized. And teaching on baptism actually uh, implies it's more than just symbolic. Something actually happens. It makes us stronger. Let's look at Romans 6, 2 to 4, where it says this. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So baptism is the burial of the old me and the coming to life of the new me now in Christ. And if you imagine this being the surface of the water and this being the person getting baptized for a minute, uh, can you see that? See that at the back as well? Right, so when, we get, when someone gets baptized, like the, those that got baptized this morning, First of all, they're submerged, that's what baptism is, under the water. And they're saying, Jesus died for me. I believe he died for me. I believe when he died for me, going down under the water, that he died to forgive me of my sins. He took the penalty. It says in Peter, it says that he himself took our sins in his body on the tree when he died on the cross. That we may die to sin and live to righteousness. And so we're identifying with his death. But we're also saying, and saying, my sins now are being left behind. I've been forgiven. We're saying, Jesus died 
And I'm, my old self is now dying too. And in coming out of the water, it doesn't take that long by the way, there's just long to hold your breath down and up again. Uh, but coming up out of the water um, is, is saying, and he rose again from the dead. And I'm now lining my life up with his death and his resurrection. How I seek to live, I won't be perfect, but how I seek to live from now on in my motivation, in my aims and objectives in life is now to die to my own self, but to live for him, to please him. Because he rose again from the dead. But now I'm living a, a, a new life. It's a totally different life, not like the old. And I'm seeking to follow him. And something happens when we get baptized, where God seals something, where God actually, uh, there's a strength there uh, that uh, one observes as people get baptized, and it's a, a wonderful thing uh, to see. See, in, uh, it's the burial of the old me, the coming to life of the new me. I, I'm in Christ. Uh, my whole life is now lived, identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection, dying to the old life, living to the new life. Colossians 2, uh, 12 puts it like this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So this is something uh, that is for all those that believe in Jesus Christ. And it really does make a difference. Even if it's been put off for some length of time, it's something that the scripture encourages all of us to do. Fourth question um, is uh, this one, which is sort of related to the last one. Um, but is, I don't feel like I know enough yet. Should I wait longer before I get baptized? Well, the answer is no. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe he's Lord, if you believe he died to forgive you and rose again from the dead, if you now have said to Jesus, I'm, I'm giving you my life and looking to follow you, that's all you need to know. The rest of what you need to know to grow in Christ will follow on later. There was a time, again in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 8, when Philip, one of the uh, evangelists of the early church, was led uh, by God to uh, go to a desert area just uh, near but away from Jerusalem. Um, and he didn't quite know why God was leading him there until he saw um, the Ethiopian Chancellor of the Exchequer of the day, who was in a, a chariot or in a carriage, um, and he uh, had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was now on his return journey back to Ethiopia. And he was reading from the book, Old Testament book of Isaiah, and Philip overheard him reading a passage which was prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, who was to come. Um, and uh, so Philip uh, goes up to the carriage and he says to the Ethiopian um, uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer, he says, do you understand what you're reading? 
And uh, he said, well, how can I understand unless somebody explains to me? I, I don't understand. And he invited Philip to come into his carriage, it's a bit like being invited into a Rolls Royce or something, or a Jag or something like that. Uh, and uh, he, he, carrying on on the journey, he explains to him about Jesus, starting from those verses in Isaiah, and then just shares the good news uh, of Jesus with him. And let me read this, that uh, he clearly, the uh, Ethiopian gentleman gave his life to Christ. He obviously believed what Philip was saying because it says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the man said, look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And so he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It was his very first step. And he didn't know a lot, but he knew enough because he believed the good news of Jesus Christ about his death and his resurrection to actually be baptized there and then. So you don't need to know a lot. You don't need to do a degree in theology before you get baptized. It's simply when you give your life to Christ, you're ready. Next question that can uh, be very, very difficult and I think we have to be very um, clear on, but also very sensitive about, and it's this one. Should I be baptized even though it, go, it goes against my family's religious tradition and will dishonor them? Now that, that, that is very common. And we found that very common uh, with some in Bedford. And the answer is, Yes, you should get baptized, even though you could face some conflict and some difficulty, even in and amongst your own extended family, even perhaps with your parents who you honor, revere, and respect a great deal. You see, Jesus is now your number one. And Jesus made it really clear uh, when he said this, recorded in Matthew 10, verses 37 to 38, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Whoa. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. In other words... When we become Christians and give our lives to Jesus, he becomes our number one love. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus becoming our number one love, as so many of us are aware, that he pours his love into our hearts, as Hudson was preaching last week, Romans 5.5, 5, by his Holy Spirit. And we find that even though we love Jesus more than anyone now, we love others more than we previously loved them too. And so commonly you might find that your love for, uh, if you have living parents or uh, your, your children or, or your spouse or friends, is greater now that you've become a Christian and he has filled you with his love by his spirit into your heart than it was before. But in comparison with your love for Jesus, your love for Jesus is even greater. Does that make sense? Anybody else had that experience? It just happens by, by God transforming us in that way. And so it is a step of obedience, and it's a costly step 
we understand and Jesus understands uh, too uh, for some in this regard. But it's also a step of faith getting baptized that Jesus will work in your family too. You may just be the first of many in your family to give their lives to Christ. And I think it's important if you're in this kind of situation to talk to family members, talk to close friends, reassure them that you love and honour them, even more since you became a Christian. And as much as is possible, seek to sensitively and lovingly help them understand the importance for you of getting baptised because of your new found faith. And here's the other one, which is another question, uh, question six. Now, all of these questions one could ask, uh, answer in much more detail, uh, but I'm just going through a whole range of questions, really, this morning. Um, and, uh, and that's this. My parents had me baptised as a baby, so do I need to get baptised again? Now, that's a really, another really common uh, question. Well, the answer is, when you look at Scripture, yes, you do need to be baptized by immersion. That's what biblical baptism is all about. But it's actually not being, as in the question, baptized again. You see, every time baptism is referred to in the Bible, it follows repentance and faith. It's the first step in discipleship. And if you went through a ceremony, an infant baptism, when you were a baby, um, it's highly unlikely that that would have been possible for you to, um, that you followed repentance and faith. Now, it's not questioning the sincerity of parents or their desire for you to actually be someone who has a heart after God. And I think one can honour that. But it's not getting baptized again as the Bible, as we read about in the Bible, is always believe and be baptized. Now some would say, well, there are households that were baptized. I mean, what about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16? And it says that, you know, at midnight he got saved and his household. But it doesn't once say who the members of the household were or whether any of them were babies. The implication when you look through the whole of Scripture is that, uh, whole of the New Testament, is that baptism always followed repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. And so we can safely deduce that the whole household had turned from their sins, in this case in Acts 16, and put their faith in Christ. So if you've not been baptized after repentance and faith, um, then as far as the Bible's definition of baptism is concerned, you've not been baptized as commanded and explained in the Bible. But you can still honor your parents' motives. And many from different denominations where the practice of infant christening or baptism takes place, it takes time, and we understand that, just to work it all through. And my encouragement to anybody asking that question is, Go back to the Bible. Go back to key passages about baptism and see uh, what you discover and see what God says to you uh, in regard to this really important foundational issue. We're certainly not going to be twisting your arm and pressurizing you uh, as we do with everything. People are on a journey 
and we want to give people lots of time and lots of space, but also be clear as we do that as to what the Bible teaches. All right, now the last three are really quite quick questions, but uh, answers to questions, but um, these are also important and common questions that I've heard over the years. And, and question seven is, does it matter where I'm baptized? And the answer is no. But it does need to be in the context of the church. Um, not, you know, someone once said to me, well, I, I'm not going to get baptized yet because I'd like to get baptized in the River Jordan, just like Jesus did. Um, and which to me, I discouraged that. I said, well, it's, it's almost about like saying, you know, a couple living together and saying, well, we're not going to get married yet because they're looking for such a grand wedding that they can't yet afford. Um, you know, want it to be, you know, some, and, and actually believe and be baptized uh, is the important thing. In fact, even the early church, they didn't all go to the River Jordan to get baptized. They got baptized wherever there was water nearby. Um, and uh, so uh, the answer is, uh, quite clear, I, I think there. But like uh, the early Christians, uh, sorry, we all feel that baptism is best witness, or we feel best witness by others in the church family that God's put you in. And there's something in baptism about being joined to Jesus in His death and His resurrection, but also to the family of the church. That's why I'm thrilled we got the opportunity to do baptisms here from whenever people are making that request. Another question that comes up is, I was baptized as a believer in another church. Do I need to get baptized here at Woodside too? The answer is no, you don't. We're only a part of God's church, and God's church is huge. And so uh, in that regard, if you've been baptized, you've been baptized. Now, I know in some parts of the world, and I know from my experience in southern India, that it's very common that if you go to a new church, then they insist you get baptized in their local church as well or in their denomination. And uh, I would argue that that isn't what the Bible's teaching. Uh, it's we're baptized into Christ once. It's, it's not uh, again and again. Another question that's often asked by parents um, is this, and question nine. Uh, what is the youngest age that someone could get baptized? You know, can my children get baptized? Well, notice all the way through, we're talking about it being believer's baptism. It's not adult baptism. And if a child or a teenager has genuinely come to Christ, if they've experienced the new birth that Christ offers when we put our trust in him, as Saviour and Lord, as the one who died for us and rose again from the dead, then biblically, who can refuse that? Now, pastoral wisdom and common sense would say that it's important that a child who gets baptised, first of all, gets baptised at an age when they can remember it. And um, secondly, We'd always encourage parents, over-enthusiastic parents, or enthusiastic parents, not over-enthusiastic parents, not to push, but to let the, your children really say and almost insist and press upon, Mom, Dad, can, can I get, please can I get baptized? And being in conversation, letting it be something that's outworked. And talk to other leaders in the church and others in the church as well uh, so that that can be worked through together.
But if a child persists and requests baptism, then take it seriously. There's nothing to stop them. I think the youngest we've ever baptized anybody was nine. Now, that's not saying, therefore, anybody any other age, you know, that doesn't qualify. But that just seemed somebody who was really keen, kept asking mum and dad so much, was proving, mum and dad were very confident that she was proving uh, something of uh, you know genuine uh, faith in Christ, and uh, that person has gone on is is on a worship course this year, uh, learning to be a worship leader uh, in in God's church. And you think, wow, it's just been great seeing the growth that's happened. Um, but we always leave the responsibility to the parents, um, and uh, we'll never go round. For instance, we don't encourage our children's workers to. Uh, berate any children who haven't got baptized or anything like that. That is something that parents know best. But we wouldn't refuse. And I think that's the important thing. Last question. This one is a big off-putter for some. Do I have to give a testimony in front of everyone before I get baptized? And that means giving a testimony is, is literally telling everybody your story before you go into the water. And some people hate the idea of being in front of people, giving their life story or any story for that matter, or doing anything uh, where they've got to do anything in front of people. And, and sometimes we have known people not to want to get baptized because they didn't want to give their story. The answer is there's nothing biblical that says you have to give publicly your story, your testimony uh, to everybody before you get baptized. That certainly didn't happen for the Ethiopian eunuch. And the 3,000 that got baptized on the day of Pentecost, uh, I mean, they would have all had the same testimony anyway. Well, an hour or two ago, I was listening to Peter preaching, blah, 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 and it would have gone on from there. Um, the important thing is, though, that you do have a story. That Jesus has come and changed your life. That you have actually given your life to Christ. Um, but you don't have to give it in front. Uh, we love to hear what God's done for you. And when we, we, we help people when they want to get baptized, uh, we help them with uh, talking it all through and so forth. Um, but all it says in the Bible is this, that if you declare with your mouth, Romans uh, ten nine, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we, when people get baptized, actually do read that. And we do say to each of those getting baptized, we say, do you so confess and believe? And they have the opportunity to say, I certainly do, or I do, or I believe. And uh, at that point we say, well, on the basis of your faith, we gladly baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as I say, uh, said earlier on, we had three who were baptized earlier today in our church uh, on the east site at the nine o'clock service. And uh, I'm just going to read you some of their stories. None of them have come to the front to give their stories, but their stories, they wrote down some of the things that led them to this point of being baptized. And we th I thought it would be a great opportunity just to share those. So the first one is Craig. Here he is uh, with his wife, Emily. So Craig was baptized this morning. And this is what he said. I'm just going to read you what he said. Uh, not in front of everybody. He didn't do it in front of everybody. I think it was Ruth Matthews, I think, was just sharing it uh, on his behalf. 
And he says, he writes, I honestly feel the Lord was listening to my prayers, which led me to Bedford four years ago and to Woodside Church in February. Our son Caleb first, uh, asked if we could go to church. That's amazing, isn't it? And so we decided to try a couple of churches in the area. However, none really had a family feel. Second thing that happened was my oldest brother, Sean, was encouraging me to attend church and laid a challenge to me to attend regularly within a year. Wow. And then thirdly, he says, my wife Emily went to Play People, which is our mother and toddler's group, um, where she met Becca, who introduced us to Woodside Church. And then fourthly, there was a service around Easter, that's this year, and Martin asked for anyone who recently uh, came to believe in Jesus to raise their hand, and I lifted mine without hesitating. And he said, I'm extremely proud to declare myself a Christian, and I give massive praise to the Lord for guiding me to where I am today. He has made a huge difference. I have a wonderful family and a magnificent father to love. I want to be baptized because although I now regard myself as a Christian, I would love to officially leave my past behind and look forward to continuing my life as a Christian and serve our Father in the best manner that suits his plans. Isn't that amazing? So that's Craig. And then Dean was also baptized. Here he is. And he says this, he said, Dean says, I first met Jesus um, through, or he, he first met Jesus through his wife. And although at that point they were just friends, she was already a Christian. And she introduced him to the Jesus he now knows. Dean always felt that there was something bigger than us. But it was only when he met Jesus that he really started to understand who he was and the importance he has on our lives. One thing Dean's learned uh, through Jesus is forgiveness. Now you wait for this bit because it really is quite touching. Both he and his wife had very similar upbringings without a father. And his wife told him that in order for Dean to be free, he needed to let his father go free by giving him forgiveness. Just like Jesus teaches us to do by loving one another like he loved us. And Dean writes that he'd never understood what it was to have love from a father. But now that Dean is a dad, he has experienced something of love that is truly unconditional. More significantly, he can see more clearly that this is the love that God teaches us to have for one another, just like he has for us. And on the basis of that, he was able to forgive his dad. And then he goes on and says his decision to take the step to be baptized is because he wants to please God by fulfilling his will and live according to his word. Isn't that amazing? So that was Dean this morning. And then finally, uh, Sean. And there's Sean. Uh, Sean got baptized this morning as well in our church. Uh, and Sean's story is a recent one, uh, a very recent one actually. And he has made a decision to follow Jesus in the last few months. 
And he knew about Jesus as a child, but didn't follow him in his heart at that point. But, but now Sean has chosen to follow Jesus and can see him working in his life and changing things. Uh, before, Sean describes how unhappy and angry he was, and also he was always ill. But since he's given his life to Jesus, in fact, from that very day, his life has changed. Uh, the anger's gone. That's amazing along with the illness. And now Sean knows happiness and his health is so much better. And he just says, thank you, God. Isn't that amazing? Just simple, wonderful, profound testimonies of those baptized. So none of these men stood at the front and said this. It was said on their behalf, but they did have a story. And anybody getting baptized would clearly have a story too of Jesus actually changing their lives. So just bringing this to a conclusion then, uh, back into Matthew 28, Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples. That's what we are as Christians. Christians are disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. We're shaping and molding our lives now on him, who he is, what he's done, and how he's leading us. Uh, Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Disciples get baptized at the beginning of their discipleship. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Obedience is ongoing. And if you're aware that baptism is a step that you've missed, then please consider Jesus' words very seriously. And then Jesus says this, which is so wonderful. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So just in case there's anyone here who's not been baptized, here's just four things that you can do if you've not yet been baptized. Uh, Firstly, number one, please seriously consider this. If you want to, uh, secondly, ask any further questions. You know what it's like? You get these FAQs on a website or in a book or a pamphlet or something, and the very one you wanted to ask isn't on the list. Well, in, if, you've, if, you're, if you've got that from this morning, then do feel free. You can email me. The email's on the screen. And I'll do my very best to answer the question that you've got. Uh, and uh, uh, so that's there. And then we're planning in the West to have a Believer's Baptism Seminar. And the date's on there, Sunday 19th of January, uh, in the evening, which is an opportunity to find out more, ask more questions, without pressure. We never pressurize anybody, because it has to come from you and your conviction and your faith, uh, not our uh, pressure. And then fourthly, uh, the next opportunity to get baptized, 9th of February. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had some here? Uh, and uh, so you can talk to a leader that you have connection with about this, uh, talk to myself or talk to uh, Hudson or Adam Ensign, they're on holiday this week, but you can talk to any, any of the uh, ladies that you know uh, who are in leadership. It's just talk to somebody and make a step towards uh, discovering more. But for those who have been baptized, let's remember all that God's done for us. And remember, wow, do you know what? That's a radical thing to do. Let's carry on living the radical life of following Christ with all of our hearts. And for those of us uh, that uh, want to be used by God to 
make more disciples. Let's ask him to equip us well. So let's just pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you. Yeah, let's, let's stand, shall we? I'm the number just stood, but let's stand and pray. Father God, wherever we are on our journey with you, we pray that the death and the resurrection of Christ would have its full and ongoing impact in our lives. Christ died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven and is alive today and still calling people to follow him. And for those that have not yet got baptized, we pray that you'd help them on their discovery. For those that may not have yet given their lives to Christ, we pray that you draw near and give us a heart like those of the wise men who came to seek out the Saviour who'd been born in Bethlehem. And to even inconvenience ourselves earnestly to seek after you and your good news, your salvation. For those of us that have been baptized, help us never to forget that we did and why. And the radical thing that baptism really is. And to be determined in our hearts to keep living in the newness of life. And to put aside that which is of the old life. And to seek to live that life of obedience to you. And then Lord we also pray for all of us. That we as a congregation here. Would witness many being baptised here in the coming months and the coming years. We pray that we would be carriers of the good news. Empowered by the spirit. And that you would equip us well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.